Welcome back to the Voice of Gen Suite podcast. This episode, we're talking about product stewardship, what it is and how companies can reduce their environmental impact while increasing the value of what they produce. Today, I'm joined by Mike Witzgall, our senior manager on our customer and application services team, and Donovan Hornsby, VP and strategic business development executive on our business development and strategy and innovation team. Welcome, you guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Introduce yourselves and what your roles here are at GenSuite. Sure. Um, this is Mike Witzkall, again, a senior manager on the uh, customer and application services team. Uh, I've been with GenSuite for right around three and a half years now. Um, and I you know, help support a number of businesses. And I'm also um, one of the leaders on our uh, product steward application team, working closely with Donovan and, and a few other folks in terms of supporting that tool and, and working with businesses on, uh, on running their campaigns and, and facilitating their programs. Thanks, Nick. And this is Donovan Hornsby. I'm a member of the executive team and lead our business development and strategic innovation efforts and organization here at GenSuite. I've been with the team now for about 18, 19 years, and I think relevant to our discussion here today, uh, helped craft and architect our product stewardship solution going back to around the 2006, 2007 timeframe when we were helping companies first address reach, and obviously that's grown to a much broader uh, list of obligations and regulatory responsibilities since then. So happy to share with you my experiences and insights today. All right, thank you guys. So what is product stewardship and why is it important to a business? Sure, I can take that one, uh, Donovan here. So product stewardship, I think much like sustainability, it, it means different things to different companies. It really just depends, I think, a lot on what their regulatory obligations might be, uh, what demands for information they might have from customers and consumers. But by and large, product stewardship for most organizations is really centered around their ability to manufacture and produce um, and place different products on different markets globally. And so um, ultimately there are a series of regulatory obligations that a company might be uh, responsible for. Um, in some cases, those companies may not have direct regulatory obligations, but because their customers are asking for information around their products, uh, they inherently are brought into the, the conversation. Um, so it can mean a lot of different things for many people depending on the industry, but ultimately it comes down to products related regulatory obligations and also customer and consumer demands for information. So why should a business care from an ethical standpoint about product stewardship? Yeah, ethics, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, obviously most folks that are addressing this are addressing very specific compliance needs, but you know, as you highlighted there, there are ethical considerations. Um, you know, anytime you're producing products, manufacturing products, you have workers on your shop floor that are interacting with materials that have inherent hazards. Um, so there's, there's an obligation there to ensure the, the safety of, of your workers. Uh, ultimately, uh, your products are gonna go out there into the market. There's gonna be people, consumers interacting with those products. And so likewise, there's gonna be potentially hazards involved with uh, interacting with those products. Then, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning there, there are also environmental impacts as you're producing those products. And so I think all these things, whether it's worker safety, consumer safety, or environmental impact are all things from an ethical standpoint that companies must consider. Yeah, you, you also get into um, 
you know, other realms within your supply chain where, where things like uh, uh, human slavery can come into play. Um, also with like responsible sourcing. So certain chemicals, you know, how they're mined in certain countries, making sure it's done in an ethical way, um, you know, in, in, in a, a safe way, both for the environment and for the workers and the people that are actually out there, you know, in the field, for lack of a better word. So what are some of the core principles of product stewardship? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a host of things um, when you talk about product stewardship. Mike and I both touched on some of these things. Uh, one thing is supply chain engagement, communication. You know, obviously, most products are not made from raw material to finished good by one company. It involves a bunch of different people in the supply chain. And so um, supply chain engagement, communication are all you know, really key aspects to product stewardship. Uh, product design is, is also a key component of that. So how do we make products that are using more sustainable materials you know, in the process of making that? How are we doing that with the least environmental impact and, and least impact on, on worker safety and things? So these are pretty common. Uh, but I think overarching all of this um, is this concept or principle of, of managing change effectively. And this is probably the biggest challenge that we see with most folks we work with because whether it's regulatory changes that are happening every day in different countries around the world or it's changes to how you formulate your products, how you make them, processes, how customers are using them, these are all things that companies have to be able to respond to effectively and quickly. So who are some key stakeholders in a product stewardship process? I think some of the folks we mentioned there, um, obviously customers and consumers are key stakeholders. Ultimately, those are the folks that are interacting with the finished products. You have the folks that are actually making the products um, you know, from an operations standpoint. Uh, you have your engineers uh, that are designing products, modifying them, evolving them, innovating them. You have your quality folks that are ensuring that it's done to the standards. Um, and then you also have folks from a compliance standpoint, you know, EHS standpoint that are looking to ensure that the organization is in compliance and also doing, you know, perhaps a little bit more than just the, the compliance obligations. So really, it's from the product design all the way down to us consumers. Ultimately, yeah. What is the relationship or shared values between product stewardship and sustainability? I think these are certainly interlinked. You know, product stewardship at one time years ago there was a heavy focus on simple simply regulatory obligations you know, things like reach and robots and california prop 65 and these types of things but more and more you're starting to see organizations shift their focus to more of a product sustainability concern and so you have these concepts of like cradle to grave and, or even cradle to cradle where, or you know, what some folks refer to as a circular economy, where folks are looking to develop products in a more sustainable way so that once they're used at end of life, they don't find them, their way into a landfill. So how do you take those materials, um, those finished products, and use the components to use as the basis for production of a new, new products? So this product sustainability objective is something that's becoming more and more prevalent with the organizations that we work with beyond just simple compliance. So in other words, it also has a recycling aspect to it? Absolutely. What's product stewardship's role in a global economy? A lot of it is as initiated as a regulatory concern side where um, you want to make sure that you're not getting fined by some of these regulatory agencies or bodies to make sure you have these, these you know, safe chemicals or, um, you know, 
procedures in place when you're manufacturing these goods and getting them out to market. Um, but as, as, you know, as you were alluding to, as, as things kind of, um, as, as the, the world kind of changes here and, and things like recycling and, you know, the sustainability of our planet becomes a major priority for these groups and showing how green they are and, and how, um, you know, efficient the company can be. It, it, it also provides a, a, a tool or I guess a, um, it, it's a realm where um, you can track that as well and track, you know, how the recycling is going, you know, when you're working with your supply chain from a, from a packaging perspective even. So how, it, when they're shipping you the goods to make sure that's done in an efficient way that you can recycle those after the fact, that kind of thing. Some regulations apply throughout the globe, is that correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, if you just take uh, REACH, for example, uh, that's something that originated in the European Union, but as you look around the globe, there are, there are flavors or variation of REACH in every country, every jurisdiction. If they're not there yet, they're, they're coming. And you know, obviously we work with a bunch of global companies with footprints all over the world. And so if they're gonna be manufacturing in those regions or shipping product to those regions, they must abide by the, the regulatory obligations there. And, and the, the real challenge is that <clears throat> each of these countries takes a slightly different approach. And so there is nuance as you go from country to country that you must account for. And that makes this whole thing really tricky. It would be easy if every country was working off the same standard, but the reality is they aren't and never will. Yeah, that's a great point. Can you share some best practices for product stewardship management? Sure. I think maybe Mike, you can share a little bit more from a supplier engagement standpoint on some of the things that you've seen from a best practice standpoint. Um, but I can, I can provide some initial comments. You know, I was just at the Product Stewardship Society's annual conference last week in, in Columbus, Ohio and presented on, on this very topic around best practices. And it's interesting because there's a large number of companies out there, very sophisticated companies that are designing amazing products, yet many of them, their compliance programs or product stewardship programs are all supported by Excel spreadsheets. Um, it's, you know, as, as, as we work in the, the digital world and we've been working for 20 years now helping folks uh, provide a, a nice digital robust solution underneath their platforms. I'm, I guess I'm not always surprised, but you know I think it's 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 time for folks to really move away from Excel spreadsheets into web-based platforms like GenSuite, where you can have regulated content or regulatory contents integrated automatically that can better inform your decision making, better inform engineers as they're designing new products. And so these are all things that you know out of the gates. 12 years ago or so, we didn't have all this. It's, you know, our solution has been something that's been evolving over time. And so these best practices are really developed by our subscribers as they continue to use the tools and look for ways that they can either find better ways to collaborate with uh, the internal functions of their organization between engineering and sourcing and EHS and quality in these groups. So whether it's collaboration or finding better ways to engage suppliers in more effective ways to minimize those touch points, and, and perhaps Mike, you can speak a little bit more to what you're seeing in that area, whether it's the use of standard data collection templates or you know, our supplier portal, for example. 
No, absolutely. I think that's a great point. I, I think the the key and the kind of the name of the game here with supplier engagement is simplicity. Um, some of these suppliers or distributors are working with a number of different companies and groups, and um, you know, assuming that they're working on a global scale can be a number of different regulations as well. So you got to expect that they're getting some of these requests, and and a, a number of these companies are coming and looking for this information. So if we can provide it in as simple as possible of a way, then the the hope is that they'll get in there and fill it out and we can get that data uh, and then you know proceed forward with it, do some data mining and, and some uh, um, reporting kind of thing. Yeah, I think one of the big challenges you have in most product stewardship organizations is that there really isn't an organization. <laughs> it's usually one or two people that are trying to manage the product stewardship program, if you will, for the whole company. And that's a recipe for disaster. So to the extent, you know, from a best practices standpoint, you can, whether it's a technology you're using or just from a process standpoint, to the extent you can get that out of the hands of one, that one person or those two people that are managing the program into the hands of the folks out there that are making the product, designing the product, uh, selling the product, um, ensuring quality for the product, uh, I think you're much better off uh, in the long run. So I think you hit on a, a pretty important part of Gen Suite, it's that we listen to feedback that we get from our customers and kind of apply that to our software. Absolutely. Yeah, we've had, uh, and you know, this is something that Mike leads uh, within our team here, we have a what we call product stewardship working group, which is made up of folks from different industry sectors, uh, different roles, whether they come from EHS or quality or sourcing, what have you. Um, they are very active in helping us advance the uh, state of the technology. So we've been working with them for a number of years now. And so as new regulations emerge, so you might make reference to modern slavery and anti-human trafficking efforts and things like that. This is an example of an emerging need among organizations to uh, better inform their stakeholders on what they're doing to address a very serious problem out there. And so our work group essentially helps us define and shape the direction of our solution um, over time. And so it's, it's always evolving, always innovating, and never, never remains the same, which I think is you know, one thing worth highlighting, Nick, is that you know, GenSuite's not a version software. Um, we're a cloud-based system that's ever-evolving based off of the subscriber inputs and things. And so that same approach, that same model that we apply to our EHS solution is also an approach that we apply to our product stewardship solution. And, and our ability to be dynamic there is, is extremely valuable for some of these groups as well. So, you know, we, we're changing different functions within the tool constantly, adding in automation, reducing the number of clicks needed to get from point A to point B, uh, reducing that overall kind of supplier fatigue down the line. That, that's our end goal and, and working directly with these groups in our, our working group allows us to hear it almost directly from the horse's mouth. These these people that are interacting with these suppliers every day, what they're looking for, they, they know it best. They're the experts here. How can they help us optimize our tool? Yeah, I think you reminded me of another best practice I failed to mention earlier, Nick, too, that's, you know, I think as you looking, as an organization is looking to more effectively manage change you know, as global companies, uh, one really, really nice best practice that we've been helping to evolve and innovate over the years is tying GenSuite in as a compliance platform with an organization's ERP system and PLM system. So if you're not familiar with that, an ERP system like an SAP or an Oracle or JDE, where this is where this is your system of record for uh, suppliers, parts, bills and materials, finished goods, uh, all that information. 
to the extent you can tie in that system with GenSuite and then automate things like new supplier onboarding, new finished products, new bills materials, have that fed into GenSuite automatically on some frequency, as, as Mike mentioned there, and then also be able to take the compliance information and value that we generate out of GenSuite and then push that back into the engineering systems, the PLM system, so that when engineers are designing new products, they understand which materials are best suited, more sustainable, are okay for certain markets where they might sell those products. So um, that's another, I think, advantage and best practice that we've seen, but certainly something that a global company must consider as they as they look to do business in different markets. So Donovan, I know you mentioned some of these regulations before. Just briefly go over what some of those are and maybe define them as well. Sure, I mean, when you look at regulatory obligations, a lot of this started with ROHAS or ROHS, um, which originated within the EU uh, many years ago. REACH was right on its heels. And so, it, it, I know Mike, you've probably seen this as well when you talk to prospective customers. The biggest priorities that we see out there, and this cuts across most industries, whether you're an electronics manufacturer, a chemical manufacturer, equipment manufacturer, are regulations like REACH, ROHAS, California's Prop 65, the other variations on what I would consider more chemical composition focused regulations. So this is really about understanding what makes up a product. So take that finished product, boil it down to its underlying materials, all the way down to the chemical CAS level. A lot of the regulations that are a priority for our customers are really driven uh, by this need to understand what goes into the product at the chemical composition level. Outside of that, you have what I would consider in some circles um, more responsible sourcing issues, things like conflict minerals that originated in the U.S., uh, but now is being discussed and drafted uh, within Europe as well. You also have issues like Mike alluded to earlier with uh, modern slavery. So anything that really impacts products, your ability to manufacture your product in a safe manner, put it on a market in a safe manner, or anything that impacts your supply chain, um, and whether that be supply chain compliance issues, um, some of these voluntary programs that maybe haven't made their way to be uh, manifest themselves in some type of regulatory obligation. There's a lot of voluntary programs out there where that folks are having to address. And so you know, there's, there's a host, there's probably 50, 60 different regulations that we monitor as part of our core, uh, but those are some of the most pressing ones and most common that we see across. But then obviously as you go from sector to sector industry, you're gonna have some differences there um, based off of the types of products and markets that work in. So how do you predict the landscape will shift over the next five to 10 years? So Nick, it's a good question. You know, I wish I had that crystal ball in front of me, but I mean, I think ultimately, generally what we're gonna see is an increasing trend towards other jurisdictions, other countries adopting similar regulations that they see uh, coming out of the EU and other, other countries, other regions. Um, you will see an ever-growing list of lists, uh, new substances, new chemicals that folks are going to have to understand uh, in terms of where they're found within their products. But I think this ultimately comes down to greater transparency. Uh, whether it's transparency that's demanded by regulatory authorities or transparency that's demanded by customers of your product or consumers of your product, 
Um, I think this ultimately comes down to greater, greater transparency. And I think, you know, eventually, maybe not in five to 10 years, you're gonna find a time when it's just part of doing business as you develop products. I mean, obviously you have intellectual property concerns. You wanna protect the formulation and what goes into your products. But ultimately this comes down to a need to share what goes into them and how you make that. And I think that's what you're gonna see. I think the other thing you're gonna see in terms of chemical composition and content for products is how you make it, the process consideration. So um, that's the next thing that's happening is there's gonna be greater focus, uh, greater visibility around what goes into the manufacturing of these products. So obviously in the past 10 years, you've seen economies kind of converge towards globalization. Do you see that continuing in the future? And what are some big challenges into that changing regulatory landscape? Yeah, certainly. I mean, globalization is something that's you know, never not, not going to change. It's not going to end. Um, it's, it's going to increase over time. Um, I think what comes out of that, in, in, at least in my perspective, is greater standardization. Um, so to the extent you have economies, countries, requirements, um, globalization of, of organizations that are producing product, I think you're going to see a greater level of standardization, whether it's you know, what's required in terms of declarations around product composition, um, declarations around what's happening within your supply chain, you know, making you know, allusion to what Mike shared earlier in terms of modern slavery, you know, how you make your products, what's happening within your supply chain. These are all considerations that I think are going to come to a head and you're going to see greater standardization, which is probably a good thing. You're never going to have 100% standardization, but if you can get, you know, 80, 90% of the way there, then I think it certainly helps, at least in, uh, for an organization to be able to prepare for it. So how does GenSuite use data and analytics to help with product stewardship compliance? Yeah, this is, this is definitely a, an emerging kind of uh, realm for us in terms of where we want to go here moving forward. Uh, there's a ton of power with, with data and analytics and getting in there and, and reading into the data. So um, it, it's, a, it's an area or, or that we're you know, really kind of driving forward with. But um, some, of the, some of the places we've touched so far are you know, really letting folks dig into the compliance status of their overall parts and items. Um, you, can take, you can take an item, break it down and see its whole bill of materials to see where you know, each substance and, and subcomponent and component make up that product and see the compliance status throughout. And I think that provides a ton of value and, and it lets you see you know, even you know, what percent of an item is compliant or, or where among that, uh, that item do we have any sort of breakdown so you can go back to your supply chain and to your overall um, you know, creation process of this part and, and see where you can you know, become more efficient or improve your process. So I think that's definitely an exciting spot. Um, we definitely have some, some other areas just in terms of things like conflict minerals where you're able to see um, overall statuses and, and, and track you know, for my suppliers, you know, where are my suppliers getting their smelters from and, and or what smelters are they using for these chemicals and, and getting some more details in that regard. Yeah, I think um, this ultimately comes down to at least the opportunity is with helping organizations synthesize a whole lot of information. Because if you think about it, you know, Mike's talking about those materials and chemicals and components and suppliers. I mean, with a lot of our companies we work with, we're talking about thousands of suppliers. We're talking about millions of product SKUs and components and materials. And to be able to take that, marry that up with compliance information, synthesize that and help folks glean some bit of insight into you know, where they need to spend their time and, and, and energies 
that's ultimately, I think, what's really going to drive the direction of what we do with analytics um, in the future here. And you know, we or last year we had integrated Tableau as an integrated um, offering part of our solution, and so it great gives our customers a great deal of control over the design of data visualizations and analytics to help them understand where they need to focus their time. And so, you know, the more we can put that capability into their hands, or as Mike said, to automate a lot of this for them, uh, will go a long way. So keeping on that topic of future technology, does GenSuite work with any emerging tech, such as AI or AR, to help navigate product stewardship compliance? Yeah, so AI and AR, these are both areas that we certainly um, have been doing quite a bit of work in on the EHS operations side of things. With product stewardship, I think, you know, I think you reminded me of a conversation I had last week at the product stewardship conference in Columbus. Um, had some discussions with a couple of, of, of potential partners of ours where, you know, I think ultimately when, you, when, you, when you're a product steward professional, what you really want to know is what's coming around the corner and how can I prepare for that best and understand the impact of that. And so I think AI, for example, has great potential to help folks be able to synthesize information, whether it's emerging regulations that a company might have to deal with or impacts on a product, to help them understand what that impact might be to help better prepare. And so I think, you know, certainly, um, whether it's EHS generally in the operations side of things or product stewardship, being able to handle massive amounts of information and glean insights, I think, is ultimately a great play for AI um, and, and other emerging technologies that we've been working with for a couple of years now. So it's also a little predictive analytics, too? Certainly. Yeah, I think we're some years away. Um, predictive analytics is something that's been talked about for a long time now. And at this point, I think it's a lot of smoke and mirrors with folks. But I think to the extent you can marry up the right types of information, there's certainly potential there for, for some great value. All right, well, we'll see what the future brings, talking about product stewardship. Thank you guys for joining me. Thanks, Nick. Thanks.